Well, good morning. All right. Good morning. Okay, some people are awake. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, hey, for a lot of us, we start spring break. Anybody excited about that? No one. What's spring break? Yeah, for a lot of us in the room, what is spring break anymore? Yeah, I still have to work this week. I don't get to run away or anything. But hey, it is my privilege to get to uh, share with you the word today. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3 if you want to open your Bibles there uh, or get on your phones or tablets, whatever you have to, to do the Bible because we're going to look at some words together today as we dive through this. And as I got up this morning, I was getting dressed and, and I was looking in the mirror and, and something hit me as I was looking in the mirror. A mirror is a tool, Right? A mirror is a tool that we can look at and go, okay, can I see myself? Do I know myself? A mirror allows me to know, is my hair in the right position? Do I have my clothes on? Like all these truths, right, about a mirror. But also a mirror, I can look at myself and go, this is who you are. You have brown eyes, you have brown hair, right? I can name things about myself because of the mirror. I feel like today's text is a mirror for us today. Because today's text is going to be a lot of reminding us who we are, whose we are, and how much we're loved. And I don't know where you're at today or what's going on in your life. I, I love that we have these moments so we can pray together and pray for each other. But today's one of those texts that we can look in our Bible, which we'll call our mirror today, and remind ourselves or learn for the first time some truths. Okay? So why don't we pray as we dig into this truth today? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time. And we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for the joy of voices. We thank you for the kids. That they can even be in here with us to worship with us. God, they can hear your word too. So God, help us all today as we learn about your love for us. Either for the first time or for the hundredth time. In your name, amen. So let me ask you this. Have you ever had an experience where you wanted to do something or see something through, but you felt you didn't have the power or ability to do so? Anybody ever have those moments? Yeah, and I'll just let you know if you don't know me, I'm the student pastor here. My name's Lee Willis. I love interacting with people, so I'm going to ask you to interact at different points. So anybody ever had those moments, it's okay to interact. Raise your hand, yeah, some of you, all of you, maybe. So here's mine. So I wanted to play soccer growing up. I didn't just want to play soccer. You too? Yeah. Do you play soccer right now? Yeah? Good. But hey, I wanted to be a professional soccer player, in all honesty. I just didn't want to be a professional soccer player. I wanted to play in the Euro League which to me, and you can argue with me later, is the best soccer league in the world. And so my goal was to play super well. So I played in Y soccer all the way from third grade, which is when I could start all the way up to middle school. And then in middle school, I joined travel teams. And even on one of those travel teams, I had an offer to go play in Brazil for a month, which I couldn't afford. Then I took a break in high school, and then in college, the first college I went to, I played on the soccer team, and I thought, okay, here we go. And then the first practice, my coach said, all right, every practice, we're going to do something together to warm up, and what we did was we had to conquer a hill to warm up. 
And this wasn't just any hill. This was a really steep high hill. And then you'd get up to the top and then you'd have to run this way and then cut back this way and then run down and then do it as many times as you could in 10 minutes. I'll just tell you now the story is I didn't do it many times in 10 minutes. I had guys that did it two or three times in 10 minutes, but I made it around once in 10 minutes. And no matter how much I trained, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't, for whatever reason, conquer this hill. And it bothered me. And it reminded me, this is probably not what God created me for. Was to conquer this hill, go on to play soccer in Europe, and do that. Because if it was true, I wouldn't be here this morning. I'd be over there somewhere. But what God created me to do, he gave me the ability and the power to do, was to teach, to love people, to come alongside people, those kind of things. And that's why I'm here today. So, does God love me any less because I couldn't play soccer or conquer a hill? No, right? That would be really sad. No, he loves me the same, but he's trying to get me to be who he created me to be. So, here's the truth we want to admit today. As we grow in intimacy with Jesus, we come to understand his unfallible love and power in our lives. And that's what the text is going to be about today. Here's the truth, though, the very beginning of that, as we grow. So it's not today you've got it all figured out. It's not today you're going to be all perfect about it. Not today everything's going to be okay because you understand God's love, but we're going to grow in it. And, and that's why when you look at people for wisdom and understanding, a lot of times it's those people that have gone through life for a while, right? Because they've gone through experiences and things that have grown their understanding of God's love for them. They've gone through trials, they've gone through tests to say, no, I still love God and I actually know it better now because I went through that. And for some of us who are starting our relationship with Christ, we haven't gotten there yet because we haven't experienced that yet. Doesn't mean we can't understand God's love, but the longer we do this, the more it can grow and our intimacy can go, right? Like it's like me and my wife. Like the longer I'm with my wife, which will hopefully be forever, every day hopefully I'll learn to love her more because of who she is and because of the experiences we go through, right? So let's look at this text together. Let's open up chapter 3, starting in verse 14. And it says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from who every family in heaven on earth derives its name. So let's stop there because this is important. Can't miss this before we dig into the rest. So for this reason, well what is this reason? This is a thing that's saying look back at something before you go further or forward, right? And so what he's saying is for this reason, well in chapter 2 and chapter 3, the Jews and Gentiles are being reconciled through Christ. So for this reason, we're going to do this. And the next part is it's God's plans for the Gentiles. He has a plan for us. Anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. And so all of us in this room, if not the majority of us in this room, are Gentiles. And so he has a plan for us. And so for this reason, Paul is now going to kneel before the Father. Here's the other beauty thing we don't want to miss. This kneeling. Because in Ephesians 3.12, he says, In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So all these things are happening. God's working. So now, for this reason, I'm going to kneel before the Father. I get to kneel before the Father because we get to approach Him. Because of what Christ did. And so He approaches Him. But I love this part too. He doesn't just stop there. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Does He say, God? 
Huh? Does he say God? You guys can talk. Does he say God? No. But is it God? Yes. But he gives us a personal title here of Father. So for all these reasons that are going on right now, I'm going to kneel before my Father. Do you realize if you have a relationship with Christ, do you believe God is your Father, not just the God of the universe? He's not just some being up there or somewhere on his throne. He is literally a personal being who wants a relationship with you. And so Paul goes, I'm going to kneel before the God of the universe. I'm going to kneel before the, the, the being that wants a personal relationship with me. And I love this. He goes on and says, from who every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Here's the truth. In Genesis 1, we believe God created everything, right? Right? Thank you. So if God created everything, that means every single person that has ever existed does exist and will exist was his creation. That's why he's the father. And because of that, we get this picture of in heaven and on earth. Why? Because he created everything in heaven and everything on earth. And because of that, he is the father of everything. And there's nowhere you can go that he's not the father of everything. And then he keeps going. That derives its name. Now here's the beautiful thing about a name, right? The name tells me who I belong to. My name is Lee Edward Willis Jr. So obviously, because of the junior, I belong to my dad, senior, but what does that do? It tells me who I belong to. I belong to my mother and father who, who birthed me. I have their DNA. So I'm a part of their culture, their life, right? My name derives, in a sense, from them. But here's the difference. I'm also a child of God. Because I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again and he loves me and he wants a relationship with me and I want that too. And because of that, I'm no longer just Lee Edward Willis Jr. I am now Lee Edward Willis Jr., son of God. Child of God. Daughter for you women out there. I'm not a woman, so I'm not a daughter. But daughter of God. That is important to understand as Paul is taking us through this text because, folks, there is a God that is personal, that wants a relationship with you, that every family comes from in heaven on earth. No one is missed out. The sad part is just most people don't get it or they don't believe it or no one's told them that yet. So, he's going to kneel because he can, because Ephesians 3.12 tells us he can. He's going to kneel before the Father because you can have a literal, personal conversation with the God of the universe because of what Jesus Christ did for you. And every family in heaven on earth derives its name. And for those of us who have a relationship with Christ, you are now a son or daughter, literally, of the God of the universe. That God created everything. That's pretty amazing. Anybody excited about that today? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, my allergies are rocking my face. But God still loves me. Amen. Yeah, thank you. Amen. Even though I can't run up a hill. <laughs> but here's the beauty. John chapter 1, verse 12 and 13 reminds us of this truth of who God is and our relationship. Yet to all who received, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And even out of Ephesians 1, 5, he said, 
he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance to his pleasure and will. So now, our nature of our personhood is represented in that truth. If you have a relationship with Christ, you are a son or daughter. So that is a big deal for where we're going to go now. So verse 16. So now he's going to kneel and now he's going to tell us what he's going to pray about. So he says this. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So I pray that out of his glorious riches. You want to know something beautiful about these glorious riches? God's riches are able to meet all your needs. So he's saying, I pray that as you're a child, you understand that he has riches beyond anybody understands and can control or whatever. And you get that now because you are his child. And because you are his child... Everything you need will be met. Can you say everything we want? No. I want a lot of things in life. But he says everything I need will be met. Because he's the creator. He's the one that did all this. He's the one that owns everything. Because I'm his child, he'll meet my needs. But he won't just meet my needs. How does he meet our needs? He strengthens us, especially when we're struggling. Anybody struggling today with something? Yeah? I think most of us are like, amen, brother. We don't want to admit it out loud yet, but amen in our heads, right? Why are we struggling? Because we struggle because of ourselves, we struggle because of the world, And we struggle because there's an evil one out there that does not want us to believe any of these truths. But yet God says, hey, I want you to see this. You're my child. I have unlimited riches. I will take care of you. But I won't just take care of you. I will strengthen you. I think we forget this text sometimes. Matthew 28, 18 says this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Who's it been given to? Who's me? Come on, folks. Who's me? Jesus, right? It's the Great Commission. A lot of times we read, go and baptize. And this is all good stuff and important stuff, right? Go and baptize. Make disciples. Teach them to obey my commands. But a lot of times when we talk about that text, a lot of times it's skipped, verse 18, forgetting the reason we can do all that is because of the authority of the God of the creator of the universe. Jesus could do that because the God, the creator of the universe, said, you're my child, I'm going to strengthen you, I'm going to give you all power and authority, now go do what I've asked you to do. And he's saying that to you too. Why? Because Jesus died for you, and if you have a relationship with Jesus, it means you're a child of God, which means you get that same power and authority to live life. Which means he's strengthening you in these moments of struggle and doubt and frustration or whatever you're feeling, despair. He wants to strengthen you, but here's how he wants to strengthen you. With the power of his spirit. Do you want to know how much God loves you? We obviously know the answer of the cross, right? How much God loves you is he's never leaving you alone. Did you hear that? He's never leaving you alone. Why? Because he sent his spirit. He sent his son to die for you, and that's a great way of showing us love and an amazing way of showing us love. But he still loves you so much that he didn't just say, hey, I'm going to send Jesus to die for you. I'm now going to send my spirit so you're never alone. So when you're struggling, when you're doubting, when you think you're failing, whatever you're feeling negatively, here comes the spout, the spower, the, I tied spirit and power together. Did you hear that? That was amazing. Here comes the strength from the spirit who's always with you. Do you want to know one of the lies Satan wants you to believe? You're alone. Satan always wants you to believe you're alone. Why? Because if you're alone, 
he can keep putting those lies in your head. Or if you feel alone, it's hard to believe the truth that God loves you. And if he can get you to believe you're alone, that's telling you the spirit isn't with you. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because the truth is right here in our Bible, it says he will strengthen you through the spirit. Why? Because the spirit is always with you. Why? Because your father loves you. So he does this. And so he strengthened us with the power, with the spirit in our inner being so that Christ would dwell in our hearts. Here's what I love about this picture of quite, man, I can't even talk. Like, my mouth is like, blah, blah. Christ may dwell in our hearts. I'm so excited. I can't even keep up with my mouth. But here's this idea. Christ may dwell in your hearts. It means there's a continual presence. A permanent residence. So he can be the center of our lives. See, God doesn't play this game with us. Where one minute he's like, I love you. And the next minute, I'll forget you. He hasn't come into our lives one minute Because we accept it, and the next minute go, oh, you don't believe that? See you later. Have a nice day. No, he wants to be there with us all the time. He wants it to be it through faith. Why? Because it's a daily, personal relationship of confidence in our Savior, the one who forgives and keeps us safe, and it's confidence in our Lord who guides and provides So he sends the Spirit to remind us these truths. So as Christ is working in us, Christ is changing us, Christ is transforming us, we actually have that Spirit to strengthen us and remind us that you are loved no matter what's going on in life. I asked my wife this, if I could have permission. She's not here in this service. She was last, and so she gave me permission. So when I married my wife, I invited her to live with me. Good thing, right? I said, hey, I have this 600-foot square house with two bedrooms and a bathroom, and, you know, we kind of put rings on, and would you come stay with me? Happily for me, she said yes. But here's the difference. I could have just had her come to, quote, my house and moved in as a guest and just say, hey, this is mine, this is my decorations, You just come stay here. Sometimes that's how we treat Jesus, right? Hey, come come be with me. Come live with me. I believe in you. But just come as a guest. Don't change anything. Don't touch anything. Just come. But the truth is, he wants to live with you. He wants to be the center of your life. He wants to change you. Because he wants you to be fully who you were meant to to be. Why? Because he loves you. And because I love my wife, I did the crazy thing of saying, hey, when you come live with me, why don't you decorate some things the way you want to so that way it looks like it's our house, not just my house. And I did not realize how many pillows would enter the house (laughs) after that moment. Yeah, I know. There's some men in here going, amen now. I was like, why do we need nine pillows on our bed? I only sleep with one. Well, now I do two, hopefully not three. I I might go crazy if I go to three. But why? Because I wanted my wife to feel this was her home too. And I wanted her in a good way to change me as well by living with me. And that's what Christ wants to do for you. Why? Because he loves you. He wants to change you. He wants to be with you. So then Paul goes on and says another prayer. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. 
and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. I, I love Josiah. I loved him before he even got up here this morning. But I love his heart. I mean, that emotion, reading God's word. I think it's a challenge to me. Do I love God's word when I read it like that? That I just choke up and take it in, right? But let's dig into this part. So I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So let's stop there. Well, what does rooted mean? Rooted means firmly and planted. <laughs> the picture I got was like a strong tree, right? The further the roots go, the stronger the roots are, the better the tree's going to be, right? There's even trees that outlast the tornado. I mean, we've seen that, right? Tornadoes come through depending how big they are, strong they are, and they wreak havoc, unfortunately. But yet, there are some trees that somehow still stay standing. Why? Because they're rooted in the ground in such a way they can't be moved. They can't be torn out. They can't be thrown through the sky. Are we rooted in such a way that when our tornadoes come in our life, whatever that looks like for you, because they're different for each of us. When a tornado comes in your life, are you rooted enough that you believe enough that Christ loves you? That whatever hits you, hits you, you still are standing. You are still in that spot. You are still standing with Christ. You still believe he loves you even though that hit you. That's a huge question to ask. Because folks, you know this already. I don't have to teach this to you. Tornadoes of life are coming. Tornadoes of life have come. Yet God's love never changes. But are we rooted in such a way that we won't be moved no matter what that tornado hits us with? The other one I love is this word established. And I looked it up and I actually put it on a slide because I love what it says. Are we established in love? Meaning put together, built, brought into existence, permanent, proven, valid, true, accepted, recognized. Where does God's love get put together, built, brought into existence? I mean, it's always been there, so please don't hear that. But where does this culmination of love come into? What is it? Huh? The cross. Through the cross, we are established, meaning through the cross, we are put back together. Through the cross, we are built up. Through the cross, we are brought into existence, the real us. Through the cross, we are permanent. Through the cross, that love is proven. Through that cross, the love is valid and true. Through the cross, we are accepted. And through that cross, we are recognized by the God of the universe as a child. Amen. Why? Because you are loved, and we're going to see this here in a moment, way more than you could ever know. But are we holding on? Are we rooted? Are we established in that love? But he goes on to say that we may have power. So here comes that power again. There's three times he talks about power, this being the second one. So being rooted and established in love, that you may have the power, and I love this, together with all the Lord's holy people. Not alone. Together. Not just in this room. Everywhere in the whole entire world. God's love is everywhere. It cannot be stopped. But wait, he prays that we may not just understand how much he loves us and that he wants to be a part of our lives, but that he loves us so much that he puts us together. You and I, at a place called SCC, 
are put together here for a reason. To love God and glorify God. Obviously we know from the book of Matthew to go and make disciples. But we are also brought together to help each other remember this truth. I need you. I struggle on days. And I need you together to help me remind me in my darkest of days that God still loves me when I seem to forget it. And I'm here today together to hopefully remind anybody that needs it today to remind you that God loves you no matter what. Together. But it's not just here. It's everywhere. The beauty, of, the beauty of God's body is it's not just one location, it's multiple. It's all over the world. We have brothers and sisters in Ukraine loving people and serving people. We have people in Afghanistan and France and Mexico and all over the world. All the Lord's holy people together to remind ourselves and remind the world, hopefully, that God loves everyone who's on this planet. The power comes from not me. The power comes from Christ. And the power comes from us living it together. That's why the book of John talks about you'll know my disciples by how they love. Shelbyville community when we leave here today, we'll know we're his disciples by how we are together. Seeing us when we see each other, loving each other. Seeing us when together going, hey, don't forget God loves you. Might not be a bad idea when we see each other at the store. Hey, hope you're having a good day. Don't forget God loves you. I walked around Walmart a couple weeks ago as I started studying for this to this morning. And I was walking around Walmart. And I was just looking at people. And I was like, man, I just want to go up to you and go, you're loved. You're loved. You're loved. And then I thought, they might think I'm a little weird, like I love them. And so that might throw them off. I might get punched or something. I don't know. But the truth is, they are loved. They just might not know it yet. And that's our job together to not just accept this love for ourselves, but to go into our community and say, hey, you actually are loved. And even the people that hurt us or make us angry or we don't want to be around, they're still loved. We have a joke in my household right now. My boys are learning about their fingers. So I have two boys, one six and one four, and our youngest, Benjamin, we're teaching him what not finger to use, if that makes sense. <laughs> because he's like, Daddy, look. And I'm like, no, you know, like, don't put that up. Because he doesn't know. It's just a finger right now. But if he goes out in public, guess what they're going to take that as, right? Not a I love you, but a you, you know. And it's, he doesn't even have the heart to say that. And so right now we say, no, God loves them. Keep that finger down. Because he does. But it goes on, may you have power together to do something. To grasp how wide, how long, how deep, and how high his love. That's why we need each other. That's why we have experiences. This grasping is to hopefully change our lives. That's why we have the Bible, to grasp throughout the whole Bible. If you read the whole Bible, you can't miss that God loves Well, maybe you can because you don't take it in. But if you take it in, you can't miss that God loves you from the beginning of time until the end of time. He loves you.
But he brings up these four words, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep. So let's look at them. How wide, meaning all mankind, none are beyond reach. None are beyond reach. I always, when I talk about God's love to my boys, I try to stretch as far as I can. I said, I still can't stretch that far. It's so big. It's so wide. His arms are so big. I believe this with all my heart. God is so big that he could take all of us at once and hug us. It's all mankind. None are of outreach. How long he loves us. It lasts for eternity. It's permanent. It's the length of our lives. And I actually chuckled at one author when he said this. He's not getting rid of us. Some of us believe that lie, though. That we believe that God's going to get rid of us or God's going to leave us or God's going to do something because we sinned or whatever's going on in life. Or we're struggling and we just believe that, even though we didn't do something. The truth is, folks, he's never going to leave. He gave his spirit to you and he's never going to leave. He's not going to get rid of you. If you have hurt from your past, I'm sorry. If someone's abandoned you or left you or left you, leave you, whatever, you know what I mean. I'm sorry for that. But the truth is, God, your Father, the creator of the universe, will never, ever, ever leave you for any reason. Any reason. Why? Because he loves you. How high? It reaches to the heavens. How high? How much he has in store for us. We can't even comprehend all that he has in store for us. How deep? It reaches to the most degraded sinner. And the reason I put it that way is there are people in life that think they can never be forgiven or ever think they could be saved. And God said, that's not true. Not a single person on this earth is ever too far from me. No one is ever so sinful that I can't save them and show them their true self and love them. How deep? Christ's depth of agony, he was tortured for us. He was beaten for us. He went on the cross for us. He was publicly humiliated for us. He was mocked for us. He was abused for us. How deep is his love for you? He went to death for you. How deep? Our depth of agony, our discouragement, our despair, our death is not too deep for God to grab us and bring us back. One of my favorite pictures, I gave it away to a friend because he needed it the most at the moment, was this picture of two arms, one from heaven and one from earth. And there are days where we're really in a good relationship with God, right? And it feels good and we're on a high or whatever that is for you. And you're like, I got it. We got this together, God, right? You have those days? And then there's days where it just stinks and it feels like God might not be there. And you believe that lie that he got rid of you. And God in the, that other part of the picture is holding your arm going, uh-uh, do not believe that lie. Because I love you so much. I want to ask you this question. I do want you guys to answer. So Adam and Eve, when they got kicked out of the garden for their sin, did God stop loving them? No. No. When Peter denied Christ three times before the cross, did God stop loving him? No. Then why would he ever stop loving you? We could go through the whole Bible. And give multiple examples of people's struggles, people's failures, people's sins. And we would still sit here, hopefully today, saying, no, God would not stop loving them. God didn't stop loving David when he slept with Bathsheba. God didn't stop loving Abraham. God didn't stop loving Noah. God didn't stop loving Judas and other people. No. Then folks, why ever 
would God stop loving you? Why are you different? He sends you a spirit to remind you. He gives us each other to remind us that he loves us. And through that, there's power. Because when God is present, there's power. I love this quote I found. Love is available to every Christian because Christ is available to every Christian. Love is available to every Christian because Christ is available to every Christian. See, here's the, here's the truth. There's people in the world that don't want you to believe this. And there's an evil one out there that doesn't want you to believe this. It's just the truth. And some days we probably don't want ourselves to believe it if we're being honest. But the truth is, it's always there. We just have to walk in that faith through Jesus Christ in a daily personal relationship. And I actually had a friend I was talking to. He said, you know, when I'm in the Bible daily and reminding myself of the promises of God and the truths of God and who I am, he goes, even if a tornado comes, you know, like what we were talking about earlier, he goes, I'm rooted. I'm established. He goes, but man, if I go a month or two or more without being in my Bible and that tornado comes, that's when I get knocked over. That's when things happen or I doubt. Why? Because love is available to every Christian because Christ is available. And this love of Christ, even though we hear about how wide, how long, how deep, there's still some truth to this, that this love that surpasses knowledge, on this side of heaven, we will never fully understand how wide, how deep, how long, and how high. We can get a glimpse. We can get a picture. We can grasp some of it but we won't fully get it until we're in heaven. And man, do I look forward to that day to stand in front of my Father and fully, finally get it. Amen? And that's what he wants for you too. But even now on this side of heaven, we can still grasp enough to keep us rooted and established through the power of his Spirit because our Father, the Creator of the universe, loves us. And the beauty is, he goes on in verse 19 and says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Why? Because God wants us to be all he had for us. God loves you. He wants you to know that love. He wants you to accept that love because he wants you to become fully who he intended you to be. And stay in that truth. But I'm going to share with you a word today that has been impacting me, and it's the word today. The reason this word is big for me, and I don't know how many will be big for you, I'm a planner. I like looking ahead. But I also have this vision of I'm there. I don't even know how to tell you what there looks like, to be honest, or what there is, or whatever. I just feel like I'm there, right, with God. And then there's days that tornadoes come and I'm like, whoa, I'm not really there. Even though I could never define what there was. And God's been teaching me about today. And here's why the word today is so important. Because this is what God wants us to do today. And then tomorrow, on Monday, this is what he wants you to do today. And Tuesday, he wants you to do today is this. Focus on today. Learn who you are. Remind yourself that you're loved and live it today. Amen? But here's another word I want to add to today, the one that God's imparting on me at least. 
In 1 Corinthians 13, whole chapter on love, right? A lot of times I've looked at that chapter and go, hey, I'm going to learn how to be patient with this person. I'm going to learn how to forgive this person. I'm going to learn how to be kind to this person because I do want to be loving. I want to grow in my love for other people. But what God showed me is he goes, hey, buddy, love yourself. Not in an arrogant or weird way. What he showed me was, dude, be patient with yourself. On the days you fail, the days you get it wrong, the days you might not understand it, be patient. Just let me work today and we'll get there. There's a lot of days I'm not patient with myself. And I'll be honest, some of it is because of this title I have, if I'm being honest. It's not your fault. It's no one's fault. It's just there's this pressure that I put on myself some days because I'm a pastor. It's like, man, I should have this figured out if I'm going to teach the students. I should have this figured out if I'm going to stand up here in front of you and teach you. And God's like, I am teaching you. I'm teaching you to teach them. So be patient, buddy. And that's my encouragement for you. Learn who you are. Remind yourself your love. And live it. But be patient. And let God do what he can only do in your life. And now we get to the part, honestly, I wanted to play the Rocky music. I almost downloaded it to end this today because it's such a powerful moment. But I I was like, I don't know everybody well enough here yet to go like, that's acceptable yet. Maybe it is. I don't know. Next time, whatever next time is. But here it is. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. According to his power that is work within us. There's that power again. So he is giving us power through the spirit. He's giving us power together. But he's also back to Matthew 28 giving us power because we're his children. To understand his love, but not just understand his love, how to live that love out now. But here's the thing. We have to believe the person who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Measurably means you can't measure it. Measurably means there's no end to it. It just keeps going. And how many of us, when we go to ask something, stop? Or how many times do we go to ask something we already tell God he can't? Or we imagine something, go, there can't be anything bigger or better. Stop. He loves you. He's your, you're his child. He sent his spirit to be with you. He sent us to be together. And also he sent himself to empower you. Ask. Imagine. And go out in love as you are loved. He wants to use you. I know for many of you he is. But here's our response to all this. This love and this empowerment. Verse 21. To him, not to us, to him, be the glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. Folks, it's about his glory. He wants to be glorified. Why? Because he loves people. And he wants to be glorified because he wants people to know he loves people. And it's to his glory that people come to love him. But the beauty is, our response isn't just to be glory in the church, but it's throughout all generations. So my boys, I want them to know God loves them and hopefully they'll grow up knowing God loves them and they'll live their life in such a way that God loves them and then hopefully they'll teach their kids that if they get kids and they'll teach their kids and they'll teach their kids throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. 
Because he gets the glory because he's the one that created us. He's the one that sent the spirit to us. He's the one that put us together. He's the one that empowers us. So he gets the glory. But why? Because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. No other reason. Folks, you are loved, as our text says, beyond you'll ever understand. And it's a beautiful thing. I hope today, if you've never heard that before, I didn't freak you out. But I hope you heard that. And my prayer for you is if you haven't heard that before, that God would open up your heart to accept that. And if you've already accepted that truth at some point in your life, my hope is you'll live in such a way that people will know God's love for you and for them. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. It is amazing that you created us. It's amazing that there's no circumstances that can stop your love. It's amazing that you want to empower us. You want us to be the people you created us to be. It's amazing how many ways you show us you love us. God, and I pray protection over all the people in this room, all the people online that are watching, myself included, God, that we would stand strong in that love, that we'd be rooted and established in your love in such a way that we would believe you're always there through your spirit. God, I think we'd, we would love each other in this room enough to say you're loved when we need to hear it. And God, that we would believe so much, that you love us so much that you want to use us. That God, all this comes back to you because it's about your glory. So God, help us this week live in such a way that people know they're loved. God, thank you. In your name, amen. So this morning, that's it. Uh, I know that's a weird way to end, but we didn't have a worship team to come back up song today. So you're dismissed for this week. I hope you do go knowing you're loved, and I hope you live in such a way this week. One way you can help love our church, this is going to be a little cheesy, if you could help put chairs away, we would love that. Have a great week.